Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. They have been racing at this racetrack for over a century, NASCAR for almost a quarter century now, and for some reason, the greats of NASCAR seem to rise. Green flags in the air. This is Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s last shot at a Brickyard 400. The track drying has gone very well, and we're back to racing in Indianapolis. This is the one, this is the marquee event that could propel a team to a championship. Engine expires for Chase Elliott. A lot of smoke rolling out. Looks like the 88, his final Brickyard 400 appearance, is going to end early. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. hard into the inside wall. Oh, Kyle Busch slides and does the 78. They both go up into the wall through turn one. Caution comes out. Big flames underneath the hood of Martin Shrex Jr.'s car. Caution on the racetrack. The 14 of Clint Boyer involved. Also the 41 of Kurt Busch. Hard damage to the front of that car. The 42 of Kyle Larson into the wall and a caution comes out. The 48 blows up and into the wall it goes. Green flag back in the air. Caution's going to come out. They're wrecking behind him. And the 11 goes around. They wreck behind him. Casey Kane will win the Brickyard 400. jubilant Casey Kane celebrating in victory lane after winning the Brickyard 400, Kane's first win in 102 races dating back to 2014. And so we've parked his number five Chevrolet here in our NBC Sports studio. Playoff spots are getting gobbled up quickly. Kane is the 12th driver to all but guarantee a playoff spot with a win. Welcome into NASCAR America presented by Mobile One. Everybody, Carol Amano alongside our crew chief, Steve Letard. We've also got the mayor, Jeff Burton. He's with us from his garage. And Slugger Labby, another crew chief, going to join us as well. There's a lot to discuss from the weekend, but we start by welcoming the driver of the Hendrick Motorsports 88 Chevrolet and in 2018, the newest member of NBC Universal and the NBC Sports broadcast team, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale, we are so excited to have you join the team in 2018. Your fans thrilled to know that you're going to continue to be a staple in the sport for many years to come. How much does it mean to you that your current fan base can follow you down this road, a new path for you, um, but that you'll also have the opportunity to help usher in a brand new generation of fans uh, to the sport in this very new way? I'm really excited about the opportunity to stay involved in the industry. Uh, the health of the sport is paramount to me, and trying to represent the sport in the best way possible is what I've always done in my career, and this is another opportunity to continue to do that. Uh, it's going to be fun to work with NBC Group. Got a lot of friends over there. I'm really excited to get to work next year. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be awesome to stay plugged into the industry and to be around all these people that, that I've – spent so much time with over the last several years. You ready to spend uh, some more time with Steve Letart, <laughs> this guy to my left here, and Jeff Burton? I am. Uh, I had a great opportunity last year uh, to be in the booth with those guys and Rick Allen on a couple of occasions. 
And I'll be honest with you, I was always curious about uh, what the job of a broadcaster is like. And I've always admired a lot of guys that have uh, either worked in radio or TV, Barney Hall and Ken Squire and Benny Parsons. And so I've always wondered what that transition might be like if I wanted to go down that road and if there was interest for me to, to be able to go down that road. So I had the opportunity last year to get in the booth a couple times. I was blown away by how much fun it was. I thought it was exciting going in, but uh, there's, there's a lot of energy in the booth. And I walked out of there with a completely different opinion or a more assured opinion about whether I wanted to, to go in that direction post my driving career. It was very exciting. I had a lot of fun. It was a very small window into, uh, into that, that type of uh, environment, but it really proved to me that it was something I could get very excited about. So I'm really thankful that there was interest and uh, NBC was excited enough to, to, to discuss this partnership and we're able to make it, make it happen and tell everybody today. Yeah, Dale, I mean, I, I was wondering, I listened in on your teleconference when you described that time in the booth, and Jeff and I have had this conversation. There's something special about being above the track, Carolyn, seeing these cars run, calling the action that used to be a part of. And I, I was listening to you today explain that. Can you try to explain to the fans, because everybody want to know, as a crew chief or a driver, what you did to fill, you know, what Jeff and I do to fill that competitive drive, but it really is filled being in the broadcast booth, but you were very eloquent today on the radio about what you felt up there calling the action for the first time last year. Well, every, every position that I've ever held, and it's been important to me to create very strong relationships and friendships with the people I'm working with. That's going to be very easy uh, because I know all you guys already. Uh, so I, that was really important to me that I, that I knew going in I would feel comfortable with the individuals I'd be working with. So that was an easy sell for me with you guys. Uh, we're all great friends. Um, but you're right. When you, when you get in that booth and being passionate about the sport, being excited about what you're about to see, having the opportunity to try to explain what you're seeing to the fans back home, uh, this is something that I've lived all my life, and I've listened to countless uh, broadcasts over radio, TV throughout my life. I have, uh, you know, I have so much experience, sort of uh, listening to all these incredible folks that have that have covered the sport for so many years, working with the media hand in hand throughout my driving career. Um, I have so much stuff that I'm excited about to bring to the table, and uh, but when you get in that booth, you you know, you just kind of, you're, you're, you're just, uh, I don't know, it's just the race itself uh, sort of brings out that excitement and that passion in me. I see that in, in you guys when you guys are doing the, the telecast each week. Uh, Y'all are very passionate about what you're seeing and, and excited uh, with what's, what's happening on the racetrack, especially when the race has a lot of content like this particular past weekend. I mean, uh, that had to have been a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, a real thrill to be up there to be able to call all that action and everything that's happening in front of you. And so I really enjoyed that and look forward to learning about this business. Uh, I'm going to lean on you guys hard to try to get schooled up and, and understand exactly what I need to do to be prepared. 
And uh, it's the first real job I've had in 20 years, so that's going to be pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that, Dale, because, you know, when you, when you drive a race car for a living, it's hard to say that's a job, that's for sure. People like Steve, they had the job. You and I, we had it easy. But, you know, the, the, yeah. we're so excited to have you join us because you do have such a passion for the sport, uh, history of the sport. You're a student of the sport, uh, and you truly do care about the well-being of it. And, you know, when you came up with us at Talladega and you came with us at Martinsville, were you surprised that we're not really scripted, that we just, we just kind of do the deal? Obviously, we, we talk a little bit prior to going up with our producers and we, we spend a little bit of time. But once a race starts, man, it's just us talking. Did that surprise you at all? I was. Uh, I went in there really uh, unaware as to how, um, how you guys actually put it all together. And I was real surprised with, all the tools that you guys have at your fingertips, um, and there's there's it's a it's a busy environment. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people in your ear talking as you're trying to explain what you're seeing. There's a lot going on around you, uh, but there's a lot of help. You know, it's a good uh, you know it's a it's a good system that you guys uh, get accustomed to rather quickly. I've talked to Steve about this over the last several years about his transition and and. Uh, you know, I, I uh, I've really been impressed by uh, both of you guys actually uh, how quickly you guys got up to speed uh, from being around y'all during the first few broadcasts to going on into the booth last year after you got a few years under your belt. Uh, you can really tell a big difference in in how confident you guys are. So that gives me a lot of uh, a lot of confidence myself that 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 I can I can get in there and understand the system and understand how everything works as well. And get up to speed uh, uh, rather quickly, but it's uh, it's it, there's a lot more to it, you know, than people probably imagine. And hopefully, you know, uh, you know, we we have the opportunity to explain that to the fans, uh, telling that story to the fans as I get in there and and get to work and and go through the uh, the, the learning curve. It's going to be a great experience and one that I hope to be able to share with everybody. Uh, I know our fans have been really positive about the uh, the decision and, and seeing everything on social media today has been uh, very encouraging for me. The fans are excited that we're, we're going to be around and still involved in the sport. You know, it really is an honor to be able to explain to the fans the, the you know, everything that you've learned in the sport. And you can see it in a different way than they can because they haven't, you know, they haven't been in the garage. They haven't driven a race car. Uh, they haven't been in those clo- closed-door meetings uh, you know, when that door gets shut and things are said that aren't said publicly. And unless you're involved in that, it's really hard to, to, to really understand what's going on. So it's a real pleasure to be able to explain those things to the fans, what they're seeing, the details of it. And one trick I'm going to give you right now that Steve and I have used a lot is that when we say something is controversial, we just blame it on Kyle Petty. And <laughs> everybody tweets him and they say all the bad stuff to him. That's that's goal number one. Anything you say is controversial, just blame it on Kyle. Works good. <laughs> easy. That's easy. I yeah. got it. Yes, that's the first thing to write down in the notepad. When in doubt, blame Kyle. No, from the time that you were in the booth, you did an incredible job. We're sure you're going to be a natural, and we look forward to having you, and you've got two great people to learn from. Let's just turn our attention to this past weekend at the Brickyard Junior for a second, if we can. You didn't get the result that you wanted. As you look at these next six races, where do you feel is your best opportunity for a win? Well, obviously, this weekend uh, coming up at Pocono is a great opportunity for us. Me and Steve swept the races over there 
a couple years ago. We've had great runs at that track ever since the repave. There's a lot of things that we actually took to Indianapolis uh, that uh, I think will transition well to Pocono. We had a lot of speed in our car at Indianapolis. We were in the top 10 in all the practices, qualified really well. I thought we had a great top 10 car throughout the afternoon while we were in the race, so the car had great speed. So I think those things will transition well over to Pocono. Um, you, you can't really look at those tracks uh, and think which ones, where's the advantage, and, and look at the other ones as disadvantages or places where you don't, don't have a shot. You have to go into even Watkins Glen thinking anything can happen. Uh, especially as desperate as we are to get a win. We have to look at all these races as opportunities. So uh, we'll go to Watkins Glen and we'll give it we'll give it all we got. We've been pretty quick on the road courses the last several years. Uh, why, why not? Why can't we go to Watkins Glen and win a race there? So but I think Pocono is a great opportunity coming up this weekend. So we're going to maximize our, our uh, opportunity and practice to get the car up to speed. Hopefully it uh, goes, goes as well. Um, as it did this past weekend to get our car qualified in the race, and we'll try to get a great result. Well, I think that has to be the approach. Uh, I think Casey Kane proved it comes down to making the most of your opportunities. I don't think anyone had us with 15 to go, Jeff. I don't think we could have ever put the five in victory lane, but that fateful call to come to pit road, catching that yellow, getting that track position down, then paying it off, I mean, that has to help your confidence and, the, and everyone at Hendrick Motorsports especially Casey Kane, to finally get that monkey off his back after over 100 races to get to victory lane. Can the entire organization take the same momentum to the next race at Pocono? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we – I looked at that race, uh, thrilled for Casey Kane for, for being able to get a win. This guy really uh, – this guy and this team really needed this type of a boost. Uh, that's great for Casey, but I think me and maybe a lot of other drivers, too, that are trying to get themselves into the chase looked at Indy as a missed opportunity. With how that race played out, how many cars were eliminated due to accidents, and how many of the big heavy hitters had trouble, that was an opportunity for a lot of guys like, like Casey uh, to get a win, and Casey was able to get that done. So um, I sure would have liked to have been out there with – with those guys the last few laps to be in that position that Casey was in uh, had to been pretty exciting for him and his team uh, to be able to kiss the bricks. We got to go to Pocono and uh, no matter how much attrition they have uh, or how, what happens to the heavy hitters, we got to go out there and try to try to win that race. Um, but you, you know, you just got to work all day long, just like uh, Casey and those guys did try to try to be in the right position at the right time. And, and you never know what's going to happen. Well, you mentioned Indy and a bit of that chaos and a bunch of the heavy hitters going out. There has to be some urgency because Casey Kane's win has changed the playoff picture. So whether it's Joey Logano, Matt Kenseth, yourself, I think it seems like there's urgency throughout the field. And I want to know, do you think that played into the chaos we saw on the restarts in Indy? And is that what we should expect in these final handful of races coming up to Richmond? Yeah, I was really surprised by how intense uh, the Indianapolis race was this past mm -hmm. weekend. I don't think anybody expected to see the amount of uh, accidents and carnage that we saw. It just goes to show how badly all these drivers want to win these races. And, you know, we really, uh, you know, we really probably should expect the same thing going forward, the same type of intensity, the same type of action on the racetrack at all these races going forward. We've got some incredible races coming up, some great tracks that provide a lot of excitement. 
there's going to be some really interesting storylines uh, that develop throughout the next couple of weeks as to who starts to claim these final few spots going into the chase. Jeff, it almost felt like to me watching the race that when Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. got tangled up there that the rest of the field almost panicked and thought, you know what, I can win this race. The two strongest cars in the field just got knocked out. I mean, was that your impression watching what unfolded over the last 50-plus laps? It was incredible. Yeah, well, I think Steve and I said it in the booth is that the two best cars were gone. And now that they're gone, who's going to grab it? Who's going to take that opportunity to win a Brickyard 400 trophy, to to make sure uh, they're in the, in the playoffs. Because now, as Dale just mentioned, the opportunity was there. And someone executed on it. And who was that going to be? And seeing Casey Kane late in that race step it, step it up and find a way on that last restart without controlling the, re, you know, without controlling, uh, the restart because he wasn't the leader, finding a way to win that race, that's, that's inspirational stuff. I mean, as, as a driver, and Dale can speak to this, uh, he was just in the car yesterday. I wasn't. But as a driver, you know you have to step it up in those key moments. The best drivers do. And in watching that race yesterday, Dale, it seemed like to me from lap one, uh, the, the two leaders, they got out and they were gone. But in the pack from third to 20th, it seemed like the intensity level was there as soon as the green flag dropped. Is that what you felt? Absolutely. And I think that that, you know, is is that intensity and, and being up on the wheel and trying to maximize every opportunity is probably what got me in trouble. But you saw that from everybody around you. Every, on all the restarts, it's so difficult once the field gets strung out at Indianapolis, it's so difficult to be able to pass guys. Everybody looks at those restarts as the prime opportunity to, to take advantage of people. And you know that everybody's going to get shuffled around off of turn two, and you want to be that guy with that momentum and that run to be able to get by a few guys that get checked up off the corner. And uh, so we saw a lot of activity on the restarts. I was a victim of some of the uh, some of the bumper bumper cars going on <laughs> off of turn two, uh, and that was disappointing. But we you you have to be in attack mode. Uh, you can't really uh, sat, settle and uh, not not take advantage of these opportunities on these restarts. Uh, particularly at Indianapolis where it's so challenging to pass once the field sort of settles in after a few laps. But uh, it was it was incredibly uh, incredibly intense. We see this replay here with Kurt Busch. Um, an awesome opportunity for the fans to see exactly how violent these accidents are. And uh, luckily, Kurt and everyone involved was okay. But uh, that right there was just, you know, guys racing on the edge, racing hard. Everybody, even late into a run, you know, everybody's giving everything they got uh, in this particular event. Uh, Indianapolis is a big marquee event, one of the bigger races in the season. So you got a lot of guys uh, trying to win that race for the first time in their career. There's a lot of young drivers, uh, Dale, who have really impressed this season. It's been one of the biggest storylines going. Your fan base now coming to terms with the fact that Alex Bowman is going to step in for you uh, once things are done here. William Byron has done a phenomenal job. Chase Elliott is a young star on the rise. What do you see when you consider the future of Hendrick Motorsports? Well, you know, Rick's uh, got a great organization that draws talent to it. Uh, William Byron wants to be at Hendrick Motorsports because he knows that's where he's going to get a great opportunity and great equipment. Uh, people also know Rick's reputation as an owner for 
for, for being incredibly uh, fun to work with and, and uh, treats all his employees incredibly well. Uh, so he's, he's, he draws this kind of talent to him. And uh, so I, I think that Hendrick will sustain its success over the next several years. I hope to be a, a big influence on, on, the, on the company going forward, even though I won't be driving. I have a vested interest in the 88 team. Those guys are all great friends of mine, so I want to be able to help them going forward and, and assist Alex as he continues his journey uh, to become a uh, winning uh, championship race car driver at the cup level. Uh, been in Alex's corner uh, for the last several years now, so we're very excited for him to get this opportunity uh, that I think he, he deserves and he's earned uh, with what he's, he's done over the last couple of years, not to mention how well he did filling in for us uh, through my injury last year. So it's a very exciting time for these young drivers. Chase is established, got a great opportunity and a partnership with Napa that, uh, that is growing and getting stronger and stronger each year. And so his future is solidified, uh, and, and he's, he's uh, going to be winning races here shortly and battling for this championship uh, going into Homestead, I'm sure. So uh, great things for Chase in the future as well. Well, this has been a lighthearted kind of rookie-type conversation for the new analyst, Dale Hart Jr. But, Dale, we're going to be nice for a few more months because you're a race car driver. But just remember, come about January, you're going to have to have your notes, your preparation, your hard work because uh, Jeff and I are going to challenge you. We'd love to get your insight. I think it's going to be great for the fans to get someone directly out of the race car with the constant change of these rules your input is really going to go a long way. I'm excited to work with you. I know Rick Allen is. Jeff has mentioned it even on this show, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, have a couple weeks or a couple months off because then it's time for your notes and your studying. <laughs> I will say though, I'm ready to go, bud. <laughs> banana and mayonnaise sandwiches could go a long way at the trailer. That's my tip to you: is food. <laughs> food goes a long way. So with blame the crew. Kyle. Yeah, blame Kyle. And bring food. And bring food. You All think right. you could work? Those two will get you I in the door you. very quickly. <laughs> In all, in all seriousness, well, everybody at NBC Universal just can't wait to begin working with you. 2018, we're so excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited about the remaining uh, races on the schedule. Still got a little bit left in the tank. Had a lot of fun last Sunday. Didn't get to finish the job, so I'm looking forward to this weekend at Pocono. I was uh, really happy to be able to announce the uh, the deal with NBC for next year. Can't wait to get to work. Um, excited to be able to team up with you guys and uh, uh, I'll be leaning on you over the next several months before the uh, before we start broadcasting in 2018 trying to get uh, get prepared and be ready yeah until then best of luck at Pocono and the rest of the way we'll talk to you soon thank you all right coming up next we are going to begin to break down Sunday's race and Casey Kane's win that many thought was improbable uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. with us for 2018 that's a big bonus he does have some work to do uh, we'll discuss what happened over the weekend at the Brickyard when we come back. Don't forget Formula One right here on NBCSN2. A record five wins in Budapest is not enough for Lewis Hamilton. You can see if he makes it six in a row, the Hungarian Grand Prix. That is Sunday morning, 7.30 Eastern, right here. Well, by the time Casey Kane made it to victory lane last night, he was about as spent as a driver can be. The proof is what happened after our Marty Snyder asked him his final question. This feels good to win. You know, it feels good to, you know, every one of these people that work so hard, it feels good to get them in victory lane and show that uh, we can do it if things go our way. 
You can tell he's exhausted and cramping up. He had mentioned the cramping earlier. He needed some fluids, so no fluids in him, but obviously this is going to be a big celebration for Casey Kane. So Casey Kane would go to the Infield Care Center, and he would say later, tell our Dustin Long from NBCSports.com, that he was able to get some IV fluids and eventually felt fine. But he was cramping uh, just about everywhere after this race. His legs, his arm, he felt it in his chest and his ribs and well. And as you can see, it's written all over his face. I had to drop down on the ground, said he started to feel a little bit dizzy at that point. But he is okay. But a grueling, grueling stretch. A race spanning six-plus hours for for Casey Kane as he eventually ended up in victory lane. I'm now outnumbered because I have a pair of crew chiefs at the desk, Slugger Lavi and Steve Letart. Uh, Slugger's joined us now. What do you make, Slugger, of Casey Kane's physical condition? Because he is, by all accounts, an extremely fit athlete, but he was having a very tough time. Certainly, I think it come down to mental. You know, I think he was focused on these last three restarts that his body simply shut down and he forgot about what he needed to do. He probably wasn't breathing. He probably wasn't doing the things he needed to do that are normal. So he just gave everything he had to put that car in victory lane, Stephen. And that's no easy task when at Indy. Well, it isn't. And what happens, Carolyn, when you're not in that position, this 102 race winless streak wasn't a bunch of near misses. It's been a long time since we've seen Casey Kane at the front of these fields, controlling the restarts, trying to to have that emotion of a perhaps potential win. And I agree with you, Slugger, that the emotion can almost take you out of the things that you normally do, whether it's taking fluids. Actually, Jeff Gordon was the one who told me, listen, you have to tell me, put it in your notes. Yeah. Every 50 laps, tell me to drink. I, th I thought that was the craziest thing in the world. But, Jeff, I've heard that from multiple drivers that they have to be reminded to get a little hydration because as they race, they forget to breathe normally, and to get the fluids. Remember, this is these green flag runs at Indy last forever. Yeah, they do, Steve, and, and it's it's hot at Indy. I mean, we, you know, these, these cars, there's no air going underneath them. There's uh, so much work being put into the cars to, to make them as aerodynamically efficient as possible. There's not much air coming in them, so they're hot on top of that. But, yes, when you get in, in that race car and you are digging and you're focusing on what you're doing, you forget to drink. You forget to do the things you need to do. I mean, and, and I agree with Slugger. A lot of this is emotional. It is, you know, when you put your heart and soul into something, and I don't care what anybody says, the talk around Casey Kane, you know, what's his future, and the internal angst that that pr provides, not in what, you know, I never, when I went through that, I didn't care what other people thought. I care what I thought. I woke up every day and looked at the mirror, and it was, I was with me every minute of the day. And when you aren't winning races, it sucks. There's no, other, there's no other way to say it. And when you do it for that length of time, you start to question yourself. It is just, it, you, can't, you can't not question yourself unless you're just arrogant. And we know Casey Kane isn't arrogant. So the emotions involved, the physical strain involved, we saw it all right there in Victory Lane. Well, the emotion, the physical strain, it's not going to be lost just on Casey Kane because his win at the Brickyard huge, huge movement in the playoff picture. It's made it much, much tighter because it's taken another guaranteed spot. Carolyn, we're down to four. Four teams are going to get in on points. That number could be reduced even more as we go through the summer. So if now you look some major, think about Kyle Busch, has had a dominant car in so many races, gets in that accident. And if you look all the way down at some of the names that are on the outside, Clint Boyer, Joey Logano, Eric Jones, these are big names, names that could win. So I'm not sure anyone with their name in white 
can feel good about their position heading from now to Richmond. Yeah, Matt Kenseth included in that group as well. A lot of talent on that bottom right-hand side of your screen, but there are only a certain number of spots, and we're getting very close to the playoffs with only a handful of races remaining. Casey Kane's win, very well-deserved. He was exhausted. <laughs> Those last 10 laps look more like Bristol than the Brickyard, but all the drivers making it through the chaos really began after the two best cars in the field went down in a fiery crash, Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch. We're going to hear from both of them next. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Well, we've got a big show this Wednesday. Rookie of the Year contender Daniel Suarez is going to be joining us live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame like we do every Wednesday. He's going to talk about his race and roots in Mexico, winning the Xfinity Series title last year, and also his current season in Cup. We'll have our drivers aboard as well, so you don't want to miss it. That's Wednesday at 5 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Daniel's teammate at Joe Gibbs Racing, Kyle Busch, was bidding for a record third straight win at the Brickyard, and everything was really going according to plan. That is until lap 111. Kyle Busch looking for his sixth stage win of 2017. It would be second most to the guy right behind him if he's able to hang on. It looks as though he will as he comes in front of the grandstands. And Kyle Busch is going to win stage one. And once again, the 18 has swept the first two stages. You guys, I just asked Kyle Busch a moment ago, what do you want to do here? Do you want to do what we've done all day long, which is let each other in and play nice, as you said, Rick? Kyle said, I think we have to race for it right here. So, Jeff, you called it a moment ago. Time to go for the win in the Brickyard. Who has the better restart? A drag race into turn one. Oh, Kyle Busch slides and does the 78. They both go up into the wall through turn one. Caution comes out. Big flames underneath the hood of Martin Trex Jr.'s car. Coach Gibbs. Joe Gibbs not happy at all. You saw the wiggle? Yep. From Martin Truex Jr. He just could not hold the car on the bottom without being loose. Had to turn the car to the right or he would have spun out and got into the side of the 18. I just got loose and wrecked him. I mean, it was totally my fault. Uh, you know, didn't didn't really know what to expect in that position. You know, didn't really realize he was going to drive in that deep and suck me around. So, uh, you know, I got to take the blame for that one. Obviously, it was my fault. Just chalk it up as another one that uh, that we figure out how to lose these things by, and uh, it's very, very frustrating. And I hate it for my guys. They uh, they build such fast Toyota Camrys, and this Skittles Camry was really good again today. And had one to uh, to go out there and, and put ourselves in the record books for three in a row, but uh, not happening. So, Jeff, as you're calling the race and as we're watching this, we saw a little bit of gamesmanship being played between these two. Was this the first restart in your mind that was actually truly contested and it had a, a drastic impact on the way the rest of the race played out? Yes, it was, and it was time to be contested. Uh, remember, uh, we just heard Dale Jr. talk about how hard it was to pass and how important the restarts were. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. had gotten a lead on a, on, a, on a better pit stop than what Kyle Busch had. Kyle Busch needed to go get the lead back. He couldn't, keep, he couldn't play nice and let Martin Truex get the lead because he might not have ever gotten it back. So the end of the race comes much sooner depending on what racetrack you're on. And at a place where it's hard to pass and it's a place where you're going to have to race Martin Truex, who has been fast all year long, you've got to have the lead. So in my eyes, although it didn't turn out the way Kyle Busch or Martin Truex wanted it to turn out, that was the time to turn the wick up. That was the time to try to get that lead back. Well, and Jeff, my issue... 
is with the, the restarts leading up to this one. I am not a fan of these organizations trying to come up with a nice strategy to guarantee success. While I understand they're just trying to put the numbers in their favor and have the restarts come out correctly. I mean, you know, Jeff, these races are all very, very different. The grip level, the rules, the tire. And there, there's a reason these are four and five, 500 mile events. And I think it's kind of like a dress rehearsal for those final 50 laps or those final 25 laps. And I purely don't think that Martin Trex Jr. or Kyle Busch had any idea what their car was going to go going into turn one at the brickyard two thirds of the way through the race. I, I agree. And also... You know, although the leaders, you, you know, racing is a selfish sport and, and you got to do what you got to do to have success. But also the way it stacks up the back of the field, you know, when when one line's intentionally not going, that tends to have an adverse effect back on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth rows. So I'm not a big fan of it either. I've done it. I've been part of it, especially on uh, super speedway races. But we're starting to see it so frequently. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it. I agree with you. If you're not preparing early in the race to understand what your car can and do can and cannot do later in the race, you tend to get yourself in trouble. And we heard from Kyle Busch after the incident and also Martin Truex Jr. who basically said it was my fault. And, and that's what this comes down to, right, Slugger? There is no blame to be placed here, essentially. Is this just when this does start to matter, when it does become contested, is this just hard racing? Well, it certainly is. And probably the thing to blame is aerodynamics, the low downforce package. Simply, that's a great explanation of taking side force off another car. We saw it later in the race with Jimmy Johnson under the five car, Steve, where he simply drove underneath there, and, and the five car took the air off him, and just like the 18, took the air off the right rear quarter panel and sucked him around, and it was game over. That's a great explanation of aerodynamics. But I love it. They're supposed to be the best race car drivers in the world. I can't drive one of these. I don't have the talent. They all do. I would like to watch the best race car drivers in the world run. I think that's what we had Sunday at the Brickyard. It's a very tough racetrack with a very tough package, but it just shows what kissing the bricks meant. This was with 50 laps to go in the race, yet they're still going to drive in there too wide. As Jeff said, they knew the lead was that important. They want to try to control the race. And this was just the first of many examples that we saw <laughs> of just what a win means. Casey Kane ended up scoring the win at the Brickyard after a great restart in overtime. So we're going to look at that one and also examine just how big restarts were during Sunday's race. They were the key. We'll have that conversation next. Well, the race for the playoffs continuing next weekend. The Xfinity Series taken to the track at Iowa Speedway on Saturday, 3.30 Eastern. That one on NBC. And then Sunday, the Monster Energy Cup Series facing that tricky triangle at Pocono. That one's 3 Eastern right here on NBCSN. Green flag back in the air. Overtime. Great restart for the five of Casey Kane. Can he hold it on the bottom of the track? Kane gets by him. And the 11 goes around. They're right behind him. Did they get to the overtime line? They haven't got there yet. Has the caution come out yet? Now the caution comes out. And we take a look at the overtime line. Casey Kane was there before the caution came out. Casey Kane will win the Brickyard 400 on a great restart. Not a good restart, a great restart. 
maybe the best restart of the entire year so far by Casey Kane on Sunday. Certainly in the conversation based on what he was up against. But let's talk about the last two restarts, Stephen. Let's start not with that one, the second to last one. Well, you have to look at them both because the totality of the both basically led to Casey Kane winning that race. Because if you go back to the second to last restart slugger, Casey Kane is leading the field. But he has chosen the outside. He comes into the restart zone and he chooses to wait to the second line. As a leader, he has every right to do that. But you can see Brad Kozlowski starts to accelerate. The entire field starts to accelerate. Danny Hamlin gets into the rear bumper of the five, spins the tires. Ultimately, he cannot accelerate out of the zone. You and I have had this conversation. I don't like waiting for the second line. While the leader has the ability to do that, I feel like it's like taking a pitch in baseball. You're leaving it up to the umpire to call it a ball or a strike. I think he's leaving it up to NASCAR to call Keselowski out for jumping the start. I've always been a bigger fan of the first line. Accelerate right away. Well, you can kind of spook the guy beside you. He doesn't know when you're going to go, but the closer you get to that second line, the end of the restart zone, which is 200 feet, it, it takes away your advantage that you have of being the leader and setting the tone of the race. So Casey said it didn't go right. He, you know, he said he never got into gas in the 11 car. Danny Hamlin was pushing him, and he got his rear tires off the ground, so he was basically done, and it's just simply because he waited too late to go, Steve. So, Carolyn, two guys that have never done a restart think he did it wrong. <laughs> but Jeff, what do you, you've done more restarts than the two of us. Do you think the second line did have an advantage in that situation? Well, obviously, it, you know, Brad Keselowski came out with the lead, so, so Brad did it better. I mean, at the end of the day, it's only results that matter. But as a driver making those decisions, you try to show the, the second-place guy something different every time. Casey had mentioned that he had been going early, so in this restart, he decided to go a little bit later. You want to try to surprise that driver. I think the biggest issue isn't necessarily when he went. It was more that Denny Hamlin was more ready to go than Casey Kane was, and Casey still had the opportunity to go. And by rule, Brad Keselowski can't go until, until Casey goes. But Denny had Casey jacked up and couldn't get going. So a lot of factors involved. It's easy to go back and, and second guess all of it. At the end of the day, though, the only thing that matters is did it work or not, and it didn't work. Jeff, what was it about that last restart that led you to believe immediately that it wasn't good but that it was great? Well, what's so hard to do, and you heard Casey Kane talking about it, when he was controlling the pace – Brad Keselowski has to respond to, to Casey Kane. So, right, so in, now it's reversed. Now Casey has to respond to Brad. So Casey has to anticipate when Brad's going to go. Well, they're going right here, and now Casey's got the spot. Casey did everything he needed to do, rather than being, you know, to his left rear quarterback. Now, right, right there, now he is far enough up on Brad Keselowski for that arrow disadvantage not to be there. It is a major difference in the way the car drives and the outside car having momentum going by you versus you having momentum on the inside going by them. He had momentum going by rather than the other way around. That allowed him to stick to the bottom of the racetrack and ultimately make that pass. I always wonder, though, and it's easy on Monday, but why when the Casey Kane had the opportunity, he chose the outside, and then when Brad Kozlowski had the opportunity, he chose the outside as well. Both restarts, the outside car lost the lead, so it seems like... The bottom would have to be the place to start, but I think it goes back to earlier in the race. We showed the 78, the 18. You don't get a lot of practice at this, and even if you're not in those restarts as a crew chief, you're taking notes of outside plus one, outside plus two. You try to figure out which lane's better, and in those gamesmanships you talked about, Carolyn, that kind of eliminates a lot of the learning for the entire field throughout the day. Well, if Sunday was very entertaining, Saturday was as well. A new rules package in the Xfinity Series delivered, safe to say. Coming up, we're going to revisit that Xfinity race and that package. One heck of a finish. We're going to discuss 
if this did deliver, if this is something we'll see in the Brickyard 400 in the near future, an Xfinity conversation coming your way when we come back. Since 1954, STP has been on the leading edge of performance, helping engines run better longer. For the latest info on NASCAR, visit NBCSports.com slash Inside the Garage. Saturday's Xfinity Series race saw William Byron holding off a hard-charging Paul Menard in the very final lap at the Brickyard, and Byron was able to beat Menard in the closest NASCAR finish in 23 years of racing at the world's most revered race course. 19-year-old doing a little bit of a burnout there, also became the youngest ever to win a race on the iconic two-and-a-half-mile oval. Afterwards, he got the chance to celebrate with his team, and that included owner Dale Earnhardt Jr., our new colleague for 2018, and a big kiss on those bricks. And well-deserved, but not everybody uh, thrilled with the way that this went down. Here's a quote from Dustin Long on Twitter. He says, Kyle Busch on today's race, they wanted to slow down the fastest guy here so the rest of the field could keep up, and they did. So that was Kyle Busch. That was a retweet that Dustin picked up on. And then Steve O'Donnell and William Byron was the fastest guy here, and that's why he was in victory lane. Jeff, curious for your take on this. Uh, some thoughts from Kyle Busch there that maybe this was a conspiracy to slow him down as he's the one that's won the most Xfinity Series races. Is that fair? Well, no, I don't think that's fair. I think that Kyle Busch, every time he wins a race, uh, you know, people do come out and say he shouldn't be in the series. And you also you see some rules being created to limit the number of races that cup drivers can be in because the fans want to see Xfinity drivers. So, you know, the target has been on his back a little bit. There's no question However, the target was not on his back at Indy. This package was 100% about the number of people that aren't going to these races. If you look at the grandstands at Indy on Sunday and on Saturday, it's not good, plain and simple, and everybody knows it. So this is a unique racetrack, and we need a unique set of rules. So this effort on Saturday by the Xfinity teams, great job to the Xfinity teams, and by NASCAR working together, they came up with something in an effort to try to make the racing better, that ultimately maybe can make the races better on Sunday. That's what this was all about. This was not an effort to beat Kyle Busch or beat a cup driver. This was about trying to build a win for the race fans. Give the race fans a reason to come back and watch this race. And Steve, you and I have watched this Xfinity race the last several years from the booth, and it's been painful. I'm sorry, it just has been. It's not been good racing. Saturday's race was fun. It was exciting, it was a good time, and the fans enjoyed it. And that's what we have to have when we go back to Indianapolis. Without a doubt, Saturday's race at Indianapolis was one of the best that we have ever seen in the Xfinity Series. And it's all about that package, the rules that you talk about. So I think we should review exactly what NASCAR did. Basically, it sounds complicated, Carolyn, but they changed the rear spoiler and the splitter to add some downforce. They put these new fancy aero ducts in the car and basically add a ton of drag. And then they take away a bunch of horsepower. The concept is that they want these drivers to run around Indianapolis wide open or very close to wide open and to give the trailing car maybe not an advantage but not be at a disadvantage so the draft can pull him back in and that's what we saw slugger what we saw on saturday were cars could keep up with other cars when you got to second or third if you were a better car you could maneuver and make a pass it wasn't a complete coin flip the good car still ran up front and i thought junior motorsports was very well prepared 
And William Byron proved it by going to victory lane. What I liked, Steve, was on Friday in happy hour, all these drivers were trying to figure out exactly how this package was going to work. And when happy hour ended, there was 25 cars on the track when they threw the flag, the red flag for practice day. And so that just tells you how desperate the drivers were trying to figure out this package. But I was very impressed with William Byron in happy hour. He passed Kyle Busch by himself on the inside going into turn three in practice. And that right there told me that he was going to have the winning car on Saturday. Jeff? Slugger, the thing that's difficult about Indy, and we've heard people talking about, we're just not going back to Indy. Well, that's not in anybody's best interest. Indy is a place that NASCAR needs to be and wants to be. And if you go and watch the Indianapolis 500, they found a package that puts on really good races, but they've had to change their cars to do it. Well, then why are we any different? You know, NASCAR looked at it and said, hey, we got to find something different, and that's what they did. And, and when you go to a NASCAR race you have to see close, exciting racing. That's what NASCAR, that's the essence of NASCAR racing. That's what it's about. And so kudos to everybody involved. It was a success without a doubt. There's some things that could be better, but for the first shot at it, that was a big success. A record number of lean changes for the Xfinity Series at Indy on Saturday. That speaks for okay. itself. Uh, coming up next, we are going to reveal, uh, review the big news of the day. Dale Earnhardt Jr. joining NBC Universal again the final thoughts from his new colleagues in 2018 when we come back. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Well, our big news of the day, Dale Earnhardt Jr. will look to get his third Pocono win and grab a spot in the playoffs, but today it was announced that he will join NBC Universal in 2018. He dropped by NASCAR America earlier in the show to discuss this new career path. Yeah, I'm excited about the remaining uh, races on the schedule. Still got a little bit left in the tank. Had a lot of fun last Sunday. Didn't get to finish the job. So I'm looking forward to this weekend at Pocono. I was uh, really happy to be able to announce the, uh, the deal with NBC for next year. Can't wait to get to work. Um, excited to be able to team up with you guys and uh, uh, I'll be leaning on you over the next several months before the uh, before we start broadcasting in 2018 trying to get uh, get prepared and be ready we're all happy to happy to help we're glad that he's with us Jeff quickly your final thoughts on on the big news just so excited to have Dale Jr. join us his passion for the sport is has been there uh, he has a perspective uh, that he can bring that nobody else can we're lucky to have Kyle Petty Dale Jarrett on board that ha bring a perspective also so Dale Jr. will be, do nothing but make our team much, much stronger. We could have had a three-hour show today with everything that <laughs> we have to discuss, especially from this past weekend. What was your big takeaway as we wrap things up, Slugger? Well, to me, the underfunded teams, Matt DiBenedetto, Cole Witt, and Timmy Hill, they all finished in the top 15. And Matt DiBenedetto had a top 10 finish also at Daytona, Steve. So it's really, you know, these teams that really don't have much funding to get a good finish and all the craziness of the Brickyard 400, they need some credit. Well, you heard Dale Jr. talk about it was an opportunity. The big teams crashed out, so the little teams had a chance. But I also, hats off to Indianapolis Motor Speedway and NASCAR for the Xfinity race on Saturday, the Cup race on Sunday. But the track itself also had a big concert, 400 Fest Saturday night, big names, DNCE, Chainsmokers. I don't know, but my kids <laughs> loved them. And, and the simple fact that they made the weekend an event for the fan that came out, invested their hard-earned money to come to an iconic racetrack, Two great con or two great races and a concert, a full weekend of fun. If you talk to Parker Klingerman, our millennial, no, he'll tell you who the Chainsmokers so are. He was on. very excited ah, that they were there. Once again, Dale Earnhardt Jr. with us in 2018 and a big win 
by the five this afternoon. That's all for NASCAR America. For all your NASCAR news, log on to msdsports.com slash NASCAR. We'll be back Tuesday, same time, same place, and we have scandal. So be with us then. Thanks for watching. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.